Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. I'm Catherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. I'm actually coming to you from my beach home, so you can see if you're watching video, you're not on the podcast. I'm in a very different setup, different microphone, different lighting, and I have someone who is like crackerjack with sound and whatnot with me today. So a little embarrassing, but it'll be great. Kevin Perlmutter is a brand and customer experience strategist. And he's the chief strategist and founder of Limbic Brand Evolution. Y'all know I love anything about the brain, so we're going to have a blast. Limbic is a brand consultancy specializing in understanding emotional motivations and applying behavioral science. Kevin helps brand and business leaders answer the question, why should people care about your brand? And he turns emotional insight into a competitive advantage. His work focuses on brand strategy and is immediately actionable to guide evolved messaging, experiences, and offerings to increase brand desire, engagement, and loyalty. Well, let's get started. Welcome. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you for having me. So one of the things you told me before we got started was you are all about two things, maybe three. One is your curiosity, and another is simplifying the complex. I am always about simplifying the complex, and I might be one of the most curious people I know. Talk to me about that. Where has that led you? What's that about? I love to ask questions. I am so curious. I'm the kind of person who asks the weirdest questions, and people are wondering, where does he come up with these? I, you know, people come to my house, contractors come to my house sometimes and they want to do something and I'm into woodworking and I build furniture and stuff. So I really, I really like to understand what's going on. And I ask questions they're like, nobody has ever asked me that question before. I'm like, well, I just did, you know? So it's, so I bring that into my work. I'm a brand strategist. What that means is that I help brands create stronger connections with people. And the way I do that is through emotional insight, truly understanding what makes people tick and to get there you need to ask some questions. You need to get under the skin of what people care about and what matters to people. And that's always been a big part of who I am and what I do. And it's something that I've brought into the work that I'm doing today. So just to understand, it sounds a little bit like when you're starting out as an entrepreneur and you sit down and you figure out who's your ideal client, Yep. but in a much more deep kind of way. Does that sound accurate? It does. That is a very standard 
thing that all businesses should be focused on is who is my ideal client. I like to take it to deeper levels. I like to understand, okay, now that you understand who that client is, what do they care most about? What do they care most about in life? What are they trying to achieve in their business? No matter what type of company you are, whether you're selling consumer products or business services or something in between, the people that you're trying to reach, they're just going about their life. They're going to work every day. They're trying to accomplish things. They're trying to alleviate stress. They're trying to be more productive. They're trying to be more successful, be happier, find balance. And, you know, they're not just there to buy your stuff. In fact, they probably don't care about your brand very much at all until you give them a reason to. And that reason should be something that affects them emotionally, that makes them feel as though this is something that's going to help me get through my day in a better way. And the questions that I ask, the curiosity that I have is to uncover those things that are going to matter most to the people that my clients are trying to reach. Right. And there's definitely a whole customer brand experience and all of that. Definitely. How is our customer perceiving the experience they're having with us, whether they're walking into our brick and mortar and buying hammer or whether they're doing intensive coaching with someone like they do with me, are the Zoom links sent out in a timely fashion if you're a productivity person? Can you relate to your clients? That kind of thing. That all wraps up in it. Well, and that's actually where it started for me. I spent the first 16 or so years of my career in advertising, working for ad agencies. And 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 around 2005, 6, 7, that time frame is when I started thinking about and ultimately left traditional ad agencies because I started to realize that the world was changing. I started to realize that Ads were about making, uh, were about telling people what you're all about as a brand. Ads were about promising, you know, here's what we stand for. And there, up to a certain point in time, there were very little mechanisms for customers to truly understand at scale if the brand experience was going to match the promise the brand was putting out. You could have an individual experience. Everybody experienced brands. And a lot of times you walk away frustrated or unhappy. And those were quite unfortunate times, but most of the world didn't get a chance to know about it. And then this incredible thing happened called the mobile internet. And it uh, it launched our ability to write reviews that everyone can see. It launched our ability to have social media where we can talk about the experiences we were having and promote things that were good and trash things that were bad. And honestly, I realized as somebody involved in marketing and branding and advertising that the world was no longer going to be about brands making promises through ads. It was going to be about delivering on experiences. Mm -hmm. So I made a very deliberate shift in my career to move to Interbrand, which is a global brand consultancy. And I became a strategist there, um, serving very large clients with senior level strategic guidance. And one of the things that I launched there was a customer experience practice. Mm-hmm. I launched, I helped them launch their first ever global customer experience practice because I had such a passion about moving from ads making promises to companies delivering on brand experiences in a positive way that I wanted to be on the forefront of that kind of work. So that was one of my first real big career shifts that took me into what I'm doing now. And where in that progression did you end up in the world of sound? 
because I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, so that was highly driven by senses. Yeah, so that was another deliberate shift in my career. I talk about my career being in phases, and that advertising was phase one, inner brands was phase two. And and yes, I worked at a music studio, a sonic branding music studio, which was my phase three. And it came about in a, in a couple of different ways. You know, one of the ways it came about was I was leading a very large client relationship at Interbrand. And the chief marketing officer said to me, you know, Kev, we need a sound for our brand. You know, we've been working with you guys on strategy and evolving our visual identity and evolving our messaging and improving our customer experience and employee engagement. But we need a sound for our brand and, and your, your company doesn't do that. So can you help us find a company that does? So for this very large brand, I ran, I ran the pitch, actually, and I interviewed on their behalf as the first sort of gate many different sonic branding studios. And this was a pretty new field. We're talking about like 2010 right now. So this was not being done by a lot of companies. And and my client was very progressive in this desire to focus on the sound of the brand. In that pitch, I uncovered this one company called Manmade Music. They were a company that I got to know through the pitch process. I thought they were the, the best of the bunch that we interviewed. I recommended them to my client. My client met them and agreed and ended up hiring them. And I, through that relationship with the Sonic Branding Music Studio, I got to know the founder of that studio. I got to know his leadership team. I got to understand a bit more about what they were up to. In 2014, just a few years later, I was personally looking to make a a shift in my career. I'd been at Interbrand for seven years. I accomplished a a lot there and I was ready to move on and accomplish new and different things and figure out what that next frontier was that I was going to go after. And for me, the next frontier was music and sound because so many brands were avoiding it that I, I just felt there was a missed opportunity there. So I joined up with that company not because I'm a music person, because I'm, I'm not. I don't have a, a musical bone in my body, unlike my family, who is very musical. I am not. I joined them as chief strategist, ultimately chief innovation officer. And one of my responsibilities there was to lead research. And through that process, I became very aware of a number of things. One was how to create brand experiences through the lens of how do you want people to feel? Because music and sound is all about feeling. Music and sound is all about, you put music and sound out there and it makes people feel something instinctively, viscerally, emotionally. And that has impact on their mood, their behavior, their the context of the situation. So for me, that was a really big learning. We were creating brand experiences through the lens of how people should feel. And the second thing I did was I created with an outside partner a neuroscience-based research capability to assess the impact and effectiveness of the music and sound that we were creating and to understand how it affects people emotionally, what meaning it conveys, what behaviors it inspires. So when when you encounter a sound, it affects you instinctively and emotionally. When you walk into a retail store and you hear a very loud buzzer in your ear because it's there to alert the staff that somebody's walked in the store, it all of a sudden is jarring. It affects you. And whether or not you consciously realize it, all of a sudden your mood is shaken. Your your train of thought has been broken. And all of a sudden you're kind of reorienting yourself even just for a few seconds at a subconscious level. When you hear your phone, your iPhone go, you feel this sense of like, oh, that mail just 
left. It went. I just sent that mail. Wasn't that cool? It went. And, and it may not have even gone because the, 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 the mobile service might not be as good, but the phone tells you it went. You feel really good about it. So I had a chance to really learn about these things and understand behavioral science from some incredible neuroscience, uh, neuro, a neuroscientist friend of mine and, and some others who worked at this research company. And, and we created some capabilities that really taught me about the power of emotion, our instincts, on our, our psyche, on what we know and care about and how that affects us behaviorally. And I launched my own company in 2019 because I felt that brands were missing an opportunity to tap into people's emotions and and, and understand the insights that drive their decisions and their behaviors. And I wanted to bring all of this newfound behavioral science understanding from the music studio, combine it with my brand strategy and customer experience roots from inner brand and create a strategic brand consultancy focused on emotional insight. Right. So this is an assumption. You can tell me I'm wrong. When you're dealing with emotional insight, I assume what you're doing is this is, you know, all the way back again to the customer experience, but now not as an advertisement, but as in what's happening, the customer's experiencing, whether they're shopping right now online or in person, or whether they're getting reached out to with a piece of mail you name it. Yeah, very uh, much so. It's it's all about, for me, it's all about focusing on the details. And it's really about making sure that brands are presenting themselves in a way that truly reflects who they are, that is motivating and, ins- and inspiring to others. And, and that part of what I do is helping brands focus. I help mm. them really focus on what makes them unique and desirable and putting that out there in a way where others are going to go, wow, that is that is something that I could sign up for. I, I believe in their values. I think they're addressing me in a way that shows that they care, that they understand what I'm all about. And, and I really, they're doing something that I believe in and I want to be a part of. The other thing that I do is I help my clients connect and I help them connect more strongly by understanding their customers better and understanding the people they want to reach. What do they need, want, and desire in life? Because people aren't walking around looking for brands. People are walking around looking to have a better life. They're looking to be more fulfilled, more productive, more inspired, more happy, more this, more that. And you know, if a brand can help them feel that way, then there's going to be this, this visceral connection between the brand and the person. And I actually call that limbic sparks. My company is called Limbic Brand Evolution. The name comes from the limbic part of our brain, which controls emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory at the subconscious level. And the term that I've created for my strategic offering and the output of what I create for my clients is what I call creating limbic sparks, Mm. which happen when emotional motivation meets brand desire. Emotional motivation meets brand desire. That is what is it down. that people are motivated by and how does that create a connection between that person and the brand that they're encountering? Right, interesting. And we can really see this across a variety of brands. I mean, I don't know if you're liberty to be able to talk about any of the clients without saying their names, but I'd love to hear an example of one. Yeah, there are a few different things. So one brand that I had the opportunity to work with is the AT&T Performing Arts Center. They were a client of mine for nearly the full first year that I was in business. This is an organization that is a a nonprofit in Dallas, and they have a campus full of facilities, buildings that are all about the arts. There's theater, there's dance, there's all kinds of different 
performance arts. And what they were doing at the time that I met them was exactly what most brands do. They were talking about their brand and they had a tagline that was staging the amazing. And it was all about how incredible, how amazing what they were doing was. And they came to me because they were looking to create stronger connections with the community to get more information out there and awareness out there for the things they were doing beyond some of these incredible performances. They were working in parts of Dallas that were underserved and didn't have arts in their schools. And they were giving opportunities to the students to either bring the arts to their schools or bring the students to the campus so that they could learn more and get experience. They were inspiring students and emerging artists to have careers in the performing arts. And it just, their positioning at the time that I encountered them wasn't conveying all of those things. So we look to understand how passionate they were. They're a nonprofit. They're funded to promote arts and culture in the city of Dallas. And there were many people in Dallas who were experiencing it and having this wonderful reaction. And they wanted more people to be aware of that. So we we learned about what they cared about. We learned about what people were experiencing and what they were feeling. And we realized that staging the amazing wasn't getting it done all the way. And we transitioned them from AT&T Performing Arts Center, staging the amazing to AT&T Performing Arts Center, yours to discover. And that transition in messaging became the platform for how they reinvented all of their messaging in their and their marketing. And it's all about welcoming, discovery, inviting people in, letting them know all there is to discover. So that's just one of many examples of clients I've worked with where we focused more on what people care about and why people should care about this brand than things that are less important where you're talking a little bit more about yourself and less about conveying why people should care. Interesting. I really love that. Thank you. Of course, discovery is right up your alley with all the research. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I love but I mean, it makes perfect sense for, for the performing arts because the world of arts is, is a constant process of discovery. Yeah. I really, really like it. And I've been able to do similar things with other types of businesses as well. I've worked with technology companies. I've worked with B2B companies. And really, all the work that I do comes down to answering that question, why should people care about your brand? and discovering those things that make your brand special and discovering the things that your potential customers and current customers truly care about and feel are are, are unique to your offering and connecting those dots by creating these limbic sparks and turning these emotional insights that we uncover into a competitive advantage because people truly want to care and connect with your brand because they've seen something in it that they were looking for or they didn't even consciously know that they needed. Um, and all of a sudden, it's it's creating a newfound solution in their life that really helps them, you know, help uh, brands should exist to make people's lives better. And not right. all do and not and some do and don't convey it as well as they could. So I help them bring that out. Love it. Love it. Thank you. So one of the big changes for you as you left, you know, let's call it corporate America for the lack of a better word, is in creating your own company is you ended up working from home, which I've been doing pretty much for nine or 10 years. So it's old hat for me. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. What are the pluses? What are the minuses? Because let's be honest, there are a few minuses to working from home. Well, that was something that happened as a result of me deciding to start a, start my own business. And it happened pre-COVID. So when COVID hit, I was 
pretty much used to it already. And it, it wasn't a change for me, but it was one of those things that I, that I knew I was going to, it was going to have to be something that I could live with. And I wasn't sure because I spent nearly all of my career, well, all of my career working in offices for other people. And all of that was in New York city where I was commuting every day. And here I am in my home in New Jersey and not leaving too often. And I'm in this room, which I've set up to be my space for work uh, is a room we converted um, from other things and, and really designed it in a, in a way that was going to be right for my work environment where I would have to be a lot of my time. And there are a few things that I figured out in the last two years since launching my business. You know, one is that I love having this space right here. I love not having to go anywhere. The benefits have been accelerated by this um, last year where where everybody is online and on Zoom and, and lots of lots of networking and businesses being done remotely where people aren't expected to travel. So that's actually been a plus for my ability to connect with people. One of the things that having my own business gives me is control of my time, which is really important to me. I get to choose how I spend my day. If I want to go for a run at two in the afternoon to let off some steam or think of some new ideas, you know, that's what I do. If I want to block time for thinking on my calendar, I could do that. If I don't want to work with a particular client because I don't believe in their values, then I don't, I don't have to work with that client. It's my company. And if I want to work with a client who maybe has a, an incredible brand and business and maybe they can't afford me, I can decide if I want to work with them anyway at whatever they can afford. It's all up to me. And I really love that aspect of having my own business. You know, I tell my clients it's, it's focusing on the things that matter most in their business and, and I apply that to my life as well. I focus on the things that matter most. If I want to pack up my computer and my ring light and my microphone and take it to my place in Vermont and work from there for two weeks, I could do that too. You know, nobody's going to tell me I don't have enough vacation days. And, uh, and I love it. <laughs> the tricky part with that is that you think you're on vacation, but since you brought your ring light and your microphone and your computer... You're not on vacation as much as you need to be. And it's that, that and, is true. And, I, and I live this, so I'm not yeah. criticizing at all. I'm just saying I think we've become a world that's so 24-7 that people are kind of floored when you say, I'm taking three days off. Yeah. Because I'm completely I, honoring time with my family and I'm not gonna be available. And they're like, What? You're you're not available? And I'm like, well, no, I'm really not. Yeah. I agree with you completely. And the way I handle that is is a few things. One is the flexibility that I want in my life to be wherever I want to be would be stressful if I didn't allow work to be a part of some of those locations. If I'm going on vacation to with my family, if I'm going on a true vacation with my family, going to a, a place, flying somewhere, going to Europe or something, I'm not, I'm not working. You know, I'll check in if I need to. I'm running a business. I'm not going to let it, you know, just disappear for a week, but I'm not working. If I'm going to my other home and I can block hours for that and reserve some time to address my business, then I can be there more often and I'm still controlling my time and I'm still deciding, okay, well, these are the days that I'm going to be spending barbecuing and, and doing this, that, and the other thing. But on these half days, I'm going to spend the morning catching up on work, getting some stuff done. And in the afternoon, I'll be on the lake and I'll be doing whatever I want to be doing. So I'm agreeing with you that we can't allow work to become a 24-7 thing no matter where we are. But I also feel that 
the ability I have to integrate these things in ways that work for me and my life and my family allows me to have the flexibility to do all the things I want to do. And I enjoy working. I don't enjoy working all the time, but I do enjoy working and I enjoy spending time with my family and I can do both whenever I want. And I do something similar. So, you know, I said I was recording down in my Fenwick house, the beach, which we rent out. So there's work to be done at this house. And how I do it down here is I get up earlier, exercise, and then I sit at my desk at probably 6 a.m., where at home it might be 7.30. Yeah. So I'm a whole hour and a half earlier at my desk down here because they're all still sleeping or doing their thing or having a cup of coffee or whatever they're doing. And then I work till, say, 12.30, 1 o'clock. Yep. And so I've put in a six-hour day. I've just put it in. Front loaded. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's similar then, to how I do and it as well. it's great. You know, yeah. everybody knows I'm available at 12, 31 o'clock. We have a nice big lunch. Maybe we go out on the water, you know, we kayak, whatnot. I did, was absolutely psycho about taking three full days off when I first got here because I don't normally do that. I do work some on weekends and whatnot, but I just said I knew I was really burned out and I couldn't yeah. go into Monday if I'd still been working. And I really found that I was incredibly productive. This morning, because of course I let my brain unplug for a couple of days. There you go. Which is really important. So I get the balance. One of the things you do is write a ton of content. And I think you said it's on your blog post. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. So my website is limbicbrandevolution.com. I, one of the things that I love to do is, is write. I said, I, you know, when I earlier we talked about the fact that I like to be on the edge of a frontier when I started with the customer experience practice. 12, 13 years ago and went to the music studio a bunch of years ago and started this two years ago. So I'm always writing. I'm a writer for, um, I'm a contributing writer for brandingmag.com. I get interviewed on a bunch of podcasts and I write a lot of articles to try and advance the insights and knowledge around, around emotion and the power that it has for brands. So on my website, there's um, a published POVs area that has um, a lot of articles that I've written and interviews that I've been on, and uh, this will eventually be on it. And I also have another section of my website for my podcast, which is called Let's Talk Limbic Sparks, where me and my co-host Jasmine Marotti interview brand leaders who are actually turning emotional insight into a competitive advantage and understanding the true stories of what's happening at companies um, and the benefits of really tapping into emotional insights and how it affects business performance and customer loyalty. Love it. Love it. And I I jumped over this, but I'm going to come back to it because I always do. Your productivity pointer has to do with no meeting Thursdays. And since yes. we we're talking about taking some days off, and I know you're not taking days off during no meeting Thursdays, but talk about that because I think it's brilliant. Yeah. So one of the things, you know, there are many productivity things that we do. Uh, well, you know, one of them that's really amazing that I, I know you do and many others do is giving people the ability to schedule time on your calendar. And I have that function and that's a huge productivity saver for me as it is for many. But one of the things that I realized is that if I'm letting people schedule time on my calendar, I have to block hours where I'm not available because I am working on other things. And you know, I do that for a few hours each day, but I also realized that I'm going to set Thursday as the day where there's no time that anyone can block. And I call it no meeting Thursdays and you and I have talked about it. And I love it because I know that no matter how busy the week is, no matter how many meetings I'm back to back in Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and maybe Friday, I know that when I wake up Thursday morning, 
unless I've personally scheduled something that I need or want to do on that day, that is my day to catch up. That is my day to do client work, to write an article, to take it easy and catch up on email, to go for a run at two in the afternoon, whatever it is, Thursdays has become my day to just catch up on things and not be back-to-back in meetings that I haven't necessarily scheduled myself. Right. And I, mine is supposedly no meeting Mondays. I've gotten a little blurry on it, mostly because one of my clients, that's the only day she can meet. And I don't mind because it's first thing in the morning. Yeah. But most of my client work, I really hold to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, client and networking work. And then Fridays, it's my goal. We're in summer now. So I'm hoping I can get back to this is to take Friday afternoons off. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind so much if I have to put a couple of meetings on Monday, if I was able to get Friday afternoon off. So that's my goal. We'll see if it sticks to it. So one last time. So everyone gets it. Website. Limbicbrandevolution.com. Perfect. Very excited. I'm super psyched. I think people who are listening, if you want to learn a lot more about the limbic system, emotion, how brands can use this sort of competitive advantage, Kevin is your man. I am so happy you came on to talk today. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.